All right, Alex, are you there? Can you hear me? I can. Fantastic. Wonderful. I'll see, Great. All right. I'll see you in about four minutes. All right, wonderful. Looking forward to it. Bye, me too. Bye. Good afternoon. This is Lee Smith. It's now 4 p.m. Eastern time, and we're starting the Lee Smith show. Um, today's going to be a really uh, fantastically interesting show with a, a, a wonderful, terrific writer. And this is actually the subject of our show today. It's about American writing, American literature, contemporary American literature in particular. And if you're trying to think of why you're having a hard time remembering the last American novel, the last contemporary American novel you read. Um, I think I think you're going to figure out why pretty soon that's something we're going to be talking about. And um, I encourage you not to despair because Alex Perez is going to be bringing us all good news today. And that good news is while American publishing is garbage, while they publish garbage and their ideas are garbage, unfortunately, like most every aspect of American culture these days, there are real American writers out there and they're doing their work. <clears throat> they're, not getting, they're not getting their books out there right now, but they will be soon. 
And um, anyway, so that's that's the hopeful message. That's the good news that Alex Paris is going to be bringing us. Alex, I want to thank you so much for uh, for making some time for us this Saturday afternoon. Of course, Lee. Thank you very much. I, I, I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to say first of all, I know Alex from um, Alex is also writes a tablet magazine where I where I've been writing for some time, and Alex's stuff there is just terrific. Alex also has a new article um, in I am seventeen seventy six, and I want to recommend that. I mean, first of all, my wife ordered a copy of their new uh, of the new publication. You can read a lot of the I am seventeen seventy six pieces online. But the new first copy is just uh, it's just beautiful. And my wife, who is a designer, figured that the editor, Mark Granza, must have a long design background. And I have to get I have to figure out from Mark. Um, but it seems that he, he he just learned how to do it on the fly. So it's really impressive. It's really great. Alex has a um, a terrific essay in there on Michelle Welbeck and other American writers. But also I wanted to introduce Alex by saying Alex has um, very serious pedigree as a writer uh, with a literary education. Alex went to the Iowa Writers Workshop, which for about, gee, I don't know. I mean, I remember when I worked in what we call literary publishing back in the 80s and 90s, Iowa Writers Workshop was the top. Um, was really the top school in the country. That, along with I believe Columbia, had a great program too. But that's that's where that's where Alex learned his trade. And um, Alex, if you can just actually explain a little bit, what was I mean, is Iowa still the world-renowned Writers Workshop that it was forty years ago? I think it is, but I have heard that there have been some changes in the last like eight, nine years, which we're going to get into here. And as uh, you said, there has been, uh, there is some really good news, but I think it's important mm -hmm. to actually uh, capture the landscape of the scene yeah, okay. to kind of start with the bad news and to kind of build, mm. uh, because yeah, things things have gotten really bad in mm. the lit scene and there is great hope. But I, I think it's important to start at why why things have gotten so bad and how they got so bad and how we can, so, so part of the, Good news. This is We're great. Gonna start there. Thanks, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, All right, good. All right. Yeah. So now I'm a you know I'm a critic, uh, pundit, you can call me. But for the first 10, 12 years of my writing career, I was a fiction writer. And I went to Iowa, as you said, from 07 to 09. So folks ask me all the time, how was Iowa? How was Iowa? It's a top program. How was it? Yeah. And I can only say that it was great because I was there from 07 to 09. So I think what happened to the writing scene, uh, kind of started as soon as I left Iowa. I mean, mm. things getting bad, but when I was there, can I, ask I looked first, at- can I, can I ask first yeah. before, we, before we moved from Iowa, who was, yeah. teaching, who was teaching there at the time when, while, while you were there? And, and who are some of the big names who have come out of Ethan there? Ethan, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a, uh, let me see, uh, we had a, uh, obviously, uh, Robert, uh, let me see, uh, uh, let me see. Uh, we got a uh, he, he was a big writer. Uh huh. Ethan Kanan. Ethan Kanan. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was a big American writer, and he's still there. Uh, Marilyn Robinson was there, who's one of the great oh, American right. writers. She was I'm there sure. for a long time. I think she's now she's gone, but she was there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, Lance Samantha Chang was a creative writing uh, leader. He's a director there. She was there. Uh, Charles D'Ambrosio was my mentor. Ah, right. Incredible writer. He was there as a visiting ah. writer. Now he's there as a full time faculty. So the faculty was great and it's still great but mm. what's happened is that the entire scene around it has kind of you know kind of collapsed and mm. i've heard from some you know i heard from folks who came after me that said that around 2013 2014 is when the big changes happened in the writing scene which i was still part of that scene then i was i was out of iowa but i was teaching and i was still i was still mm. in the game so i saw what happened but if we start like at if we started at 0709 we got yeah, a really yeah, good yeah. kind of uh, view of what happened because when I was at Iowa, uh, I was fresh out of playing baseball. I was a baseball player uh, mm -hmm. for a quarter of my life, so I knew nothing about the lit scene. I was always uh, a reader, writer. I had well, can I, can, can, can I step in for one second? And I hope I'm sure, not going to make you, you mad or embarrassed. But you know, <laughs> no, Alex yeah. and I spoke a little bit. I just want to explain this to listeners that Alex, Alex played baseball at the University of Miami, and that is. Uh, if not the top program in the country, well, it's 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 absolutely one of the top programs in the country. So Alex went from the University of Miami baseball program to the literary equivalent at Iowa, the Iowa 
writer's workshop. That's how I see it. It's the, the fiction and poetry writing equivalent of the uh, Hurricanes baseball program. Yes. So congrats. It's, 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 That's pretty prestigious you, stuff, moving from one fantastic institution to that. another. Yeah, yeah so uh, I finished playing baseball, and I was a reader, writer, but I was so much hmm. you know, being a jock that there wasn't much time. So I didn't know much about the MFA world. I had a buddy of mine who was a poet. He was like, oh. There's this great thing that they pay you to go write and hang out. I was like, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So I applied to seven, eight, nine programs, got into six, got into Iowa. So I was, you know, uh-huh. once that happens, you're kind of forced to go to Iowa. So I went and I was there from 07 to 09. And it was mm-hmm. only, it was only a kind of a culture shock because I went from the jock world to the writing world. But it wasn't a shock that other writers have now that, that you want to be a writer and you go mm-hmm. and it's totally woke and totally compromised. It was not mm. like that. Uh, I, think the, I think one of the big things to take uh, to kind of understand what happened to the writing world was mm. that the elite kind of kids that, back then that came from Harvard, Princeton, all these schools, they were still really cool in a way. And huh. what I mean by cool is that they appreciated art and literature and books in a way that now is totally gone. Because I look back mm. to my time there and there was never any talk of wokeness or social hmm. justice or any of this stuff at all right i mean because obviously like at that time there wasn't any kind of language that existed so that wasn't there so i mean like hmm. i look back at my days there i can't tell you any moment where there was a problem where somebody said this story is problematic or this story <laughs> has this issue yeah, yeah right. so it's amazing yeah. how, how it was like i do remember an interesting kind of moment i had there i wrote a story in 2008 kind of a gritty story about miami that mm-hmm. uh, now it'd be called some, you know, really, you know, awful kind of problematic story, even though it isn't. <laughs> but back then. You're right. Uh, that is the big word. Problematic. Right. Right. That's the, that's the big it's issue. Funny. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Cause, yeah. Cause there, there wasn't any, any language back then, but I could tell yeah. that the story was very, very popular with most of the workshop. Uh-huh. It's kind of gritty urban story that they weren't used to. So it was really, really popular, but there was a uh-huh. small select group of people who didn't <laughs> like it. And you can only uh-huh. tell because they're very, very quiet. But the problem yeah. is that you can see that those very same people that were quiet then, they didn't have the language yet. But if the language ah, existed now, right. so there was there was this kind of proto-wokeness that was around then, but it was this really small kind of minority. But now that now that I look back at the entire scene, I was like, okay, there it was, that there were some little rumblings that- This is fascinating. Miami. Yeah, yeah. This so is fascinating. It's just like when they have the language for it, as you're saying, that's when they start mouthing off. There's always some right. kind of weird feeling that they have. Like right. this doesn't feel, this feels, I don't know, not racist, but not, not homophobic, but I don't know. I find it. And right. There was nothing for it aside from problematic. Right. Right. And that funny, wasn't it, I mean, fully born as a concept. Yeah. Yet. yeah. It wasn't right. born. So I saw it. Yeah. I saw it in the workshop. And what's incredible yeah. is that, uh, there is still, I think, a desire for the elite kind of person mm. who goes to these schools who actually likes books. Yeah. They do like these kind of edgy urban things, but obviously they can't talk about it. So back then it was fascinating because you had these people who had never read the story. So the ones that loved it, loved it. And this small uh-huh. little group, they were like, who's this, who's this Cuban guy from Miami who's like, you know, yeah. allowed in here? But they couldn't, yeah. you know, say anything. But it was already there kind of bubbling like at a low level. But Can I you think, say yeah. what were the what were their prob or what what were the parts of the story that 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 now we that they would have said are problematic? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a story with these two baseball players and a football player. They go to this party uh-huh. in Coral Gables, the nice part of Miami, and the guys uh-huh. who are part of the team they're not from that part of Miami. They're from like a bad neighborhood. So the story uh-huh. goes along, and they go to the hood in Miami, mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. once they get to the hood. You know, there's some you know unsavory things that happen, and but right. yeah, you can tell that they were just uncomfortable with that kind of <laughs> world. Yeah. But I mean, now like now like if I was at Iowa with that story, I'd be banished from the program and it'd throw ah. me out of town. And that's what has totally changed. But yeah, uh, I could see it then. Were, that, were, the, were these students good writers, by the way? The ones who were the ones who were quiet and they were they found that there were parts of the story that you didn't like. I mean, did you like their work when you heard them read it out loud? Most of the writers there had had talent, but you can tell uh-huh. that there is the there is a person that will later become the woke person that kind of right. is uncomfortable by things. Well, there's that gray, was that was that gray kind of space where you know you're not sure 
who's the bad character or the good character. Yeah. And there were, I, I think, I, I think, and that was back then. It was there, but it was a minority. Yeah. And what's right. and what's happened in uh, like in the last seven, eight, nine, ten years is mm. that small minority took uh, power of the entire scene of the entire mm. industry. And the people who liked my story, who are still there, uh. they, I guess, they didn't realize what was happening with the magnitude mm. that it was happening. And then once they woke up, they realized, okay, they took over yeah. the entire the entire kind of scene. Right. So when I was in Iowa, I'm sure most of the folks there were just, you know, you know, probably just your liberal kind of people. I was there uh, 07 to 09, so Obama won when I was there. And it was a mm-hmm. massive, you know, everybody was happy. But after mm-hmm. that, there was no talk of politics, really. It was mostly yeah. about art. So there was a time yeah. when these, like, you know, I guess lib lib kind of people could separate right. what they liked artistically from their politics. Right. And that collapsed. I mean, yeah, thir- I think okay. 2013, 2014, that, I think that was the beginning of the collapse where I was out of Iowa, but I was still in the scene. And I realized right. okay, things have really, really changed here, like in a way that I'm going to have to kind of find an out. And that's in. So what happened then? Well, I just, I, I just, I, actually, I'm going to rush to how what i perceive now and so i want to ask you to fill all this in what i perceive now do you remember there was a letter that was published in harper's about a year and a half ago the the guys thomas williams chatterton or chatterton williams remember he was the one who organized it and i saw on that list i mean there were some there were some clowns there were some people who are just hustlers but there were also some very serious writers on that list like for instance jeff eugenides was on there and um and my my sense was that these guys were pleading, right? They 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 said, "Well, look, we're not Trumpists. Bel- believe me, we're honest, decent people. We're not terrible like Trump supporters are terrible." But you all on the left are going so far. It looked to me like they were begging not to be canceled right. by the people on the left. So that's where I, after after having worked in the publishing industry myself and knowing lots of those folks from the nineties through the early part of the two thousands. So I picked it up again with that Harper's letter. I'm like, Hmm, something has gone on here that these people are scared to death of being eaten by people in love. And for a writer, it's tough. It's not just about losing a teaching position, say at, uh, at Vassar, right? Because the whole thing about writing novels, writing poems, which you can describe better than anyone. It's like, no, you want to have your legacy left. You want it read by other people. In, in the future, you will die, but your work will go on and last on the bookshelves next to John Milton and and and, right. and Herman Melville. And these people were pleading, not just for their jobs, but for their legacies. So what happened in between there? What are the things that led us to that point? Yeah, so I left Iowa 09, and it feels like 2013, 2014, that there was a massive kind of shift in the scene and that's when obviously wokeness, I think, really started you know, to rise as a cultural force, and it mm. kind of just enveloped everything. And I, I, for me, it was twenty, it was 2013, 2014, where I saw it really for the first time that huh. every single kind of literary story was either if you're a white kind of, if you're a white person, it's this white guilt kind of story, mm. obviously yeah. that you're, you know, and if you're a POC, as they say, it has to be yeah. this kind of tale of kind of you know whites are you know whites are the bad yeah. people. And you're victimized right. and America's awful. Because yeah. I was always writing I mean, prior, I mean, I was always writing these like POC stories only because I'm Cuban and I'm Cuban, yeah. I'm from Miami, but it was never with any yeah. kind of you know, any kind of framing that I was like right. some victim. But then I got to 2013, yeah. 2014, and I got some talks from some I got a talk 2013 with it was a it was a pretty big magazine asked me, Oh, hmm. we like your story, but there's some things here that are you know that kind of and I was like yeah. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So here's some kid from like Oberlin College who's you know telling me you know to I mean how it's like to be this you know guy from Miami. So that's when that happened, where it was this kind of cultural wokeness took over, and those people from '09 that had no power and they maybe wanted to kind of go in that direction, they kind of saw this wave coming. So then all of a sudden, almost in that era, every single story became you know, if you're like you know a brown person, it has to be you're victimized by America and white people, and it can't just be just a regular story of some guy in Miami. It has to be that Miami, you know, has to be that, you know, you came to America and then America was like bad to your grandparents. And now you're like, that was every single story. 
and that happened because of you know that like wokeness 2014 where it got like huge and i think at that time there was a moment to probably kind of stop it or kind of put the brakes on it hmm. if the harper's letter might have come out then or some of the big name really? writers might have probably not stop it because it was already but at least you know give it a good fight but i think some of those big name writers and the ones that were like up and coming they realized okay hopefully it's this kind of you know flashing you know flash in the pan moment that's going to go because right. i remember when i was right. writing like in that era i didn't have a name at all so i was you know hopefully waiting for this to kind of pass and i think that's what happened mm. everybody was waiting for it to pass right and then what passed was time 2015 2016 yeah. 2017 and then they then it was just a total complete takeover and by the time people really woke up the entire kind of mainstream scene wow. was taken over completely and it happened against like, i mean because it happened in that five six year span because in 09 right. in iowa like i said there was zero zero talk of any kind of wokeness anything and then all of a sudden 2013 2014 fast it was a totally different shift and, and, and it then totally I was, makes sense that people would try to that people would try to ignore it and say like well obviously we're liberals and we're leftists we don't like this but it's excessive but it's going to go away and it didn't go away can, go away. Can, can you remember any like, were there any decisive moments, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or is there any leadership of this? Like, is there a particular writer or a particular magazine or a particular academic institution that you think is, has really been central to this? I think one of the biggest things in, uh, to really understand what's happening in publishing is to understand that 80% of agents, editors, and publicists are young women and obviously there's nothing wrong with young women but they come from the same these are ladies that preach you know obviously you know be you know whatever super diverse and you look at them and it's the least diverse people in the entire country (laughs) and it was kind of you know trending that way but here's my experience for me to get an agent i had to obviously obviously had the iowa name so it was pretty easy pretty useful but when i went out to get an agent every single agent was a young woman and mm. I was thinking, I'm writing a certain kind of urban male kind of novel. It's maybe a good yeah. idea to have a, only you know, just a male yeah. agent. And it right. was really, really hard you know, to find a male agent who I think would have you know, kind of been simpatical with my work. Mm. And right. got an agent. It was fine. But even then, I realized prior to knowing the actual number, 80%, I remember telling my girlfriend that, uh, saying, this is going to be an issue because I'm writing a certain kind of – so yeah. it was this kind of silent kind of takeover where just – a certain kind of young woman just kind of there were always i guess the assistants right and the old yeah, male yeah, guard right. yeah i guess i mean and it was maybe in the past maybe you know more like an kind of old boys club but then, yeah. it, but then it was the inversion where it just you know shifted in this manner that every single agent right now like if you go on twitter and you see who the agents are and obviously everybody knows this but you can't say it because everybody gets mad but everybody yeah. like in the scene knows this so it was this massive shift that I guess like in that time really picked up. And the people that are mostly woke are these young, you know, women from these yeah. colleges. And there's the, so it's confluence of that 2013, 2014. Then on top of it, I think what happened too, at the same time was the Me Too movement. So you all hmm. so, ah, right. So it was this last of the male editors, last of the male old guard, even if they were well behaved. Right. I'm, sure, I'm sure some of some of these guys got me too'd out of there as right. well. Right. right. So it's this wow. kind of confluence of wokeness and me too. And so I guess all the kind of old guys that were still around or young editors that were men that were still around, they realized, okay, yeah. even if I'm well behaved, like it's a bad time. <laughs> so it was just really bad. It was, right. it was wokeness, me too happened. And all these male writers that were canceled at that time, male wow. writers, like editors. So if you're a young male writer and you're seeing this, it's going to be natural to maybe just keep quiet. So that happened around and I would say this about twenty fifteen. This is fascinating. This totally yeah. makes sense. I've yeah, never so about, thought about the sociology right, but yeah. that's who a lot of the assistants were in the agencies and yeah. in the publishing houses themselves. Right. Those were like always before kind of the gatekeepers, because right. you'd want to make sure you got your manuscript through uh, you know, through a, a friend of a friend who'd gone to college and that's it would get through. But then they took power. All right, fascinating. Yeah. There was a moment, yeah, probably uh, 2015, 2016, I had a a big agent, had a novel, I had a novel go out. It was, and it was a novel about Miami. Uh, It was a young male novel, you know, and 
big time agent. And mm -hmm. I remember prior to the normal going out on submission, I could tell that my agent, she's a very nice lady, but I could mm. tell that she maybe couldn't, she liked the novel, but she felt unsure mm. of what was going on in the book because now woke language had come about, but it was still kind right. of, you know, budding and nascent. But 20, yeah. like then, like I, I could see that people now became, uh, they were willing to say, okay, this, this section has an issue, but obviously I'm a mm. person of color, as they say, so a white female, <laughs> yeah, right. so there was still this like, yeah, it was, it was kind of this, like, you know, reading between the lines yeah. thing where, where they couldn't tell me overtly, but it got a lot more, <laughs> at that time, yeah, but at that time, it got more confident that uh, I remember thinking, okay, this is not going to go well. Still, novel went out, it's a true story. Yeah. I saw my, recently I saw my uh, email, a novel was sent mm. to 10 editors, mm. nine were young women, average age about 32 from Brooklyn. Wow. And oh, wow. That's when I, yeah. Oh, man. This sounds, this sounds actually, this is, this is one definition of hell. What, you know, 32 year old women from Brooklyn. Mine. Wow, it's, man. That sounds terrible. Okay. And it's tricky because you say this and say, oh, the guy, you know, he's, you know, the guy's, you know, you're not himself. It's just, it's just a. I know. You know I, look, I'm it's just a scene. I lived in Brooklyn. It's just the same. I worked in the publishing yeah. industry. That's why yeah, it's I'm just, saying this sounds terrible. All right. Okay. It's true. It, it sounds awful, but it's just the scene. And yeah. so that was 2015. Novel went out. Novel yeah. came back. And it didn't sell. And at that time, hmm. I pulled it because I had this, you know, I realized, okay, things are going in a direction that any, what I'm writing is not going to fly the way things are hmm. going. And I had to like at that point, and it still kind of took me, that was 2016. And I still didn't pivot to what I'm doing now for a few years. So mm. when young writers reach out to me and they ask me, what do I do? Cause they're confused and lost. I get it. Cause I went through the elite creative writing world. Right. I went to Iowa. I did all the fellowships, all the residencies. So you build, so you're in that world. And when you turn your back on that world, you will lose everything. Like mm. I used to go to residencies. I used to go to Wyoming, all these nice places for uh. free. Yeah. And once you turn your back on that scene and you speak out against it, you lose all those you know little perks, which is why I think it's so important, and we'll get to this later, to yeah. have this kind of alternative kind of parallel scene that can offer hmm. writers uh, this kind of you know kind of space. Because when I made this right. pivot to do what I do now, I had to start from scratch, and hmm. it's fine. And now I like what I'm doing, and it's great. Yeah. But it did take me a long time because I knew it was going to happen. I built up all these credentials, you know all these friendships and that was going to, oh, wow. yeah. that and book was going to close and it did. Right. And you didn't know that you'd be coming through it. I mean, I'm sure you had some confidence in yourself that you'd come through it one way or another, but that's a hard step to take. First, before we move on to that, before we move on to how, 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 you know, your, your turn, your pivot, how we right. want to call right. it. Do you like, do you like that novel that you, that you wrote in 2013, 2014? I just read it recently uh, mm. for the first time in years. It's a very good yeah. novel, I must say. Like that's great, man. Novel. That's beautiful. That's I great. Mean, I'm, I'm it's nuts because I look at my like. Yeah. I have three books of fiction that have been done for years that are just sitting. Yeah. You know, they're sitting on my laptop for years. So I mean, well, I wrote. This, I wrote. This I, is important. I wrote at least three yeah. books. Yeah, this is great because you're saying, yeah, you're a pundit and a critic now, and that's one of the things you do. But you're also still a novelist. Right. Yeah. You're still uh, yeah. you're 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 a fiction writer. You yes. write short stories. That's yeah. great, man. So, look, I, I'm confident then that uh, that before long, those books will be published and we'll all be able to read them. I, I, hopefully, hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later. But congratulations. I'm so happy to Thank hear you. that uh, that you that that you like that book, because that's what yeah. happens all the time. People turn around and go, like, ah, I don't really like the book or. As yeah. it turns out, it wasn't very good, but that's beautiful, man. Congrats. Congrats. Appreciate that. Yeah. So what was your turn? What happened? You didn't know what you were getting into once you turned your back. And of course, I'm, well, I imagine you didn't turn your back immediately. It happened over no. time. So yeah. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, I had the agent, novel went out 2015, mm -hmm. and I went, to, I went to this writing conference in 2016. Mm -hmm. It's a bread loaf writing conference, the biggest writing oh, right. conference. Enormous. Right. Yeah, enormous. And the best writers, quote unquote, when you go to bread loaf, you get to be a waiter. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You actually wait on people at the dining hall. So if you're chosen yeah. to be a waiter at bread loaf, you get, yeah, you get the great privilege and it's an you know, old tradition. And it was obviously, I mean, I was there 2016 and the waiters revolted. So it was already banned after 2016. But so 
They so, revolted? Yeah, yeah, because it was like, okay, now, I mean, we're here, all these old white people, and we're, like, you know, taking them food. So it, it became this whole, uh, like, you know, yeah, so that's right. so that happened. But, like, prior, prior to that happening, I was out of – I was still writing fiction, but hmm. I was back in Miami, so I wasn't, like, in this woke writing world at the time. But then I went to Breadloaf in 2016. So now we're talking seven, eight years hmm. after I was at Iowa. Hmm. And when I got there, immediately I could feel that the vibe was totally different. And wow. I remember looking around, waiters had their first little meeting, and you can tell that all the actual writers who weren't like too woke were looking at each other, trying to be like, who are the people here that we can talk to? Yeah. And that was probably only out of like, out wow. of like 20 waiters, probably about you know three or four. Mm-hmm. And the great thing with the writing scene, the writing world, like any kind of artist, you can kind of look at somebody and somebody says something kind of, and you can kind of tell who's like here is not yeah. like a woke person, but I was there yeah. and I felt so uncomfortable. And I realized, okay, uh, now this scene, I've been gone for three or four years being with writers and it is totally, totally changed. So that was, yeah. that was my first moment when I realized, okay, I'm going to have to kind of find a way out of this world. Hmm. And it still took a little bit, but that was the first major moment. Where yeah. there was a writer that we had there, uh, one of the waiters, and when the waiters are part of Breadloaf, they get to read like in front of the entire um, mm. thing. And this guy, I'm not going to say his name. He's a great writer, but he mm. was a veteran. Yeah. He's a veteran from the yeah. Iraq War. So when uh-huh. he read, he read a piece about the war, yeah. a fine piece, great piece. Uh-huh. It wasn't political. It's about him just being in the war. And after yeah. he read, there was this little mini kind of drama because how dare he read some piece about like. You know, American War. And I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, what's yeah? So yeah, wow. it was like that. I was like, oh my goodness. He, he just read like, you know, this you know, a little short story about his, his time there. No politics wow. behind it, but it's, you know, people got mad. So none and, of the faculty are defending this. The faculty are like, hey, the guy's a writer. He wrote well. What's the problem with the story? None of the faculty, none no, of the senior no. figures are defending him. Wow. I think people at that point, I mean, I think uh, people have always known the, the actual real writers have known what's happened to literature is awful, mm. but so many people just naturally want to keep their spot. Right. And when you want to keep your spot, you kind of, I mean, like, I mean, I could see some writers that I liked who were there teaching, you know, mm. conference, and you can see them like in a dining hall. They looked almost like sad. You're like, okay, this right. guy knows, you know, what's happening. So I think, right. I mean, if it would have had 2013, 2014, like I said, some big name writers say something, yeah. maybe I'm not going to stop the entire thing, but there would have been a chance to kind of put a little, you know, little I, break I, on. I, I remember there was a time, I don't remember exactly when Philip Roth died, but I remember there was an interview with Roth in the New York Times shortly before he died. And and you could tell that Roth was worried. There was something, because Roth right. Roth's reputation was always... Right. I mean, the same people you're talking about who now run the publishing industry, young women, they hated Philip Roth because right. they didn't like Roth's treatment, as they put it, treatment of women. So they hate him. And you could tell Roth was concerned. Had, on the other hand, people like Roth and others of that generation, whether it's, I don't know who, uh, Don DeLillo or, right. you know, wh- whatever, Robert Stone before he passed away, had they said, this is turning into something ugly and it's not good for the art. It's not good for the culture. And frankly, it's terrible for the country. You know, had, right. Had they done it, had they stood up and done something might, might've been in a different place, but again, they're, they've got their own concerns about their legacy and whatnot. So how, how did you, I mean, it's not easy turning your back on something that you've spent you know, you did it with baseball. You made one transition out into something else. Did you think you were going to wind up leaving writing entirely? Uh, I, I mean, I will say this. People ask me all the time, like, how was baseball, like, as some kind of training for a writer? I'm like, baseball probably helped me uh, keep going. Because, I mean, baseball, if you're a baseball player, even when you're good, you fail so much. So you get kind right. of acclimated to kind of, you know, failing all the time. So when I yeah. when I hit this yeah. point <laughs> as a fiction writer, yeah. it still – it still kind of, you know, took me a while to actually pivot, but I always knew I was going to because I had years of failing at something, being a baseball player. Yeah. So I kind of had this that's kind a, of stuff for That's a great it. way to put it. Yeah. Right. So it was. I mean, I actually, I'm actually pretty certain that without, like, baseball, I'm not doing what I'm doing now. But Right. Because yeah. if you're a 300 hitter, you're failing more often Absolutely. than you succeed yeah. it. So you get used to it. Yeah. yeah so I went to Breadloaf. I, yeah. That was 2016. I was still working on a novel. But then, I mean – 
I was always uh, on the right, but when you're in that world, you're quiet about it. So you keep it to yourself. But right. I was always reading political stuff. I was always reading. I was on Twitter, but I didn't have an account. Mm-hmm. But I was just, you know, watching. I mean, I was kind of planning this kind of pivot I was going to do. So, so I guess I was kind of watching the landscape and I'd written some political pieces uh, uh, just for myself. I was talking to friends who were kind of, you know, kind of in the same boat. So I kind of realized, like, if I do write about some of these things, there will be like an audience for it. And that was, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I had my first piece in Tablet 2020. So there still was, mm-hmm. there was still, uh, there was still some time there. But I was thinking about this for a long time, which is why, like, I understand why young writers uh, don't make I me mean, don't make a move because I get like DMs all the time from writers and like, mm-hmm. you know, I, and they're still there. In the MFA programs are still in this world and they're unsure of what mm-hmm. to do because they know what's going to happen. People will, right. you know, they will come for you and and. I mean, right. I'm kind of lucky. I'm lucky that I'm in Miami, so I'm kind of mm. in the space where none of my friends or family care about that. So I'm kind of free yeah. to just you know write whatever I want. But I get why somebody living in Brooklyn or in right. California can't you know can't really do this. Right. Well, what do you have to? Uh, what advice can you give, or what advice do you give them, and what advice can you give them? It's like, yeah, man, it's 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 a wasteland in publishing industry and everything they told us a decade ago and more, none of that's there. They burned yeah. it all down. But, but true. what but, I tell you know, people, huh. what I tell young writers is that I know what they're doing. They're waiting to see if this compromised scene will go back to what it was. And they have yeah. this kind of little tiny hope that one day mm-hmm. it's going to go back. And maybe that yeah. does like in 40 years or whatever, mm-hmm. or in 10 years or 20 years. But if you're a young writer now and you want to start, being a working writer, you don't want to yeah. wait 10, 15 years. So I tell them, right. you're going to have to, and uh, either you finally have to accept that, that this scene that you wanted to be a part of, because for me, that was hard. You have to mm-hmm. accept that this scene that you wanted to be a part of is gone. It's been gone right. for a long time and it's only getting worse. Right. Right. And then, then I can tell right. them, everyone is... wants their first novel published at Knopf, but guess what? Right. Absolutely. And I understand that impulse because, right. I mean, yeah, for so long, I was supposed to be this like young thing out of Iowa, you know? Mm. So that was a major, you know, major, you know, that was a major failure. Thank God for baseball mm. that I was used to these major failures. But mm. I tell these young writers that that's over. So what you can do is there mm. is this budding thing that's happening mm. that's gaining kind of strength on our side of Twitter, on the right, that, 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 if you're going to write any kind of fiction that is not this woke garbage that is pushed by the mainstream world, then you're going to kind of have to, you know, side with this sock. It's the only way. So it's just budding, you know, call it whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, some like right-wing writing scene. And, but there is this budding side. So I think, I mean, is it, I tell you, if, you, if you can describe that, because this is fascinating. If you can describe it from the ground up, what it looks like, and also it's like, well, look, is it really right wing or is it just people who ignore, you know, who ignore the conventions of the woke, uh, of, of woke? Uh, That's a good question. Call it literature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, if you, I mean, you know, because it doesn't have to be political. Yeah, yeah. I've discussed before. It just has to be real writing. Absolutely. You know, what of, I see. Of, of yeah, some interest and urgency. So, yeah. So, again, if you could just describe it from the ground up, what it looks like for. And what I see is now, yeah, yeah, there is this budding, because me, prior to making my shift, I was trying to see what the landscape was. Mm. There was some kind of space. So the first thing you see is on, you know, Twitter, there is this real, like, talented kind of almost like hypermanic kind of writing that you see, you know, it's just kind of a young male kind of thing. But I would say this kind of budding scene that's like not the woke scene. What I say it is, there's probably 30 or 40 percent or maybe half that is explicitly right-wing young writers mm. and mm. the other half it's probably writers who are not who are not you know right per se but they're tired of that world and what they are yeah. they're tired of the old world so what they are first of all writers who care about yeah. literature and Great. so it's kind of so it's, so it's kind of split and if you're kind of that writer who wants to be like a you know dennis johnson or a raymond carver yeah. mm. i mean look you know carver and dennis johnson when i was at iowa those were mm-hmm. carver cheever roth John, yeah. that, was, that was the like the whole canon of the All MFA right, that's, world. That's the 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 pantheon, right? The pantheon. That, if you want to write short canon, fiction, right? Yeah, yeah. If you want to write short fiction, those were the guys, right. guys that you read. And I've asked young writers now, how about Carver, Cheever, Roth? Like, mm. up deck? Are they being taught? No. Yeah. They've been totally. And these were guys yeah. that I mean, I remember like I see my books. 
uh, back then it was Carver, uh, Ford, uh, Cheever, and Roth. Right. And those are all been banished. So if you're just a young Dennis, writer. I, you said Dennis Johnson yeah, before, too. And yeah. of course, Dennis Johnson has been an enormous influence on, on yeah. a, a great writer, a great writer, and an enormous influence. Writers like you like. Uh, what you were talking, I was just going to say what you were talking about with that, 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 um, the, the vet who was writing about the war and who read about it. I'm just thinking about Tim O'Brien, right? The things they carried. I mean, this is really a major the, book, yeah. right? This is one of the classics of, a, of, yeah. of contemporary American literature. And this was, uh, imitated. This was a book yeah. that was revered and treasured. And so the idea Absolutely. that, that here's a young writer, that who's actually, uh, you know, by definition of, of his identity, what he's done, he's kind of in the Tim O'Brien motor running. So would would these people have, would we have lost a writer like Tim O'Brien with these people in charge? That's what it looks like. It looks Absolutely. like some talent is going by the wayside. Absolutely. With this current moment now, uh, yeah, any kind of Dennis Johnson, Tim O'Brien, or Raymond Carver, those guys, I'm sure they exist. And they're writing, but they're not going to be published by a mainstream press. So then right. it becomes: do they stop writing, or do they, yeah. or do they keep staying in the game and waiting, waiting for the scene to shift? And I, I mean, I look back to my friends from Iowa, the ones mm. that some of my favorite writers when I was in Iowa have just kind of vanished and they stopped writing. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, most of those writers are probably just kind of just they probably gave it a good go four or five six years, and yeah. they've you know they've stopped. So we have like lost I, I think so many young writers that, that could have been major I, names I just want to say because it's credit to you that you're still doing it but I remember like I, I worked at um, the Echo Press in Antaeus when it used to be they used to have a magazine too and the editor-in-chief is a man named Dan Halper who's, who still edits the Echo Press and he taught at Columbia and I remember one thing that he used to he, he told he would tell the students all the time he would say, you know, you might not like this writer because he, he taught poetry. He said, you might not like this writer, but you should have some respect because this person has been at it for 30 and 40 years and they're still there. They're still doing it. They're still writing. Right. And some of you, he said, you know, basically, God bless you. But some of this is a, this is a hard this is a hard business. It's a hard discipline. Yeah. Some of you are not going to be doing this in five to six years. Right. So I, I, so people have been moved out because of the politics, but for other reasons. But the fact that you're still doing it, man, I mean that that's amazing. Congratulations, yeah. Alex. Thank you're, you. You're 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 the real thing. That's what it is. I, I think keeping your nose to the grindstone and still doing it. So you deserve credit. While it's sad that a lot of other people have dropped out for other reasons, that you're still doing it. Wow, congrats. Thank you. But here, here I think now, here I think now is some of the hope that I think okay. I do when I give these writers that uh, the first step is to lose that kind of mentality where you want to get the Knopf deal and you want right. that, that once that kind of goes and you keep writing, then you'll be OK. And that's hard. But once you can internalize and accept that, I want to tell young writers out there that there is a massive readership still out mm. there for you. Sure. It might not come through this massive book deal that you thought, but if you're a writer right. and you're a real writer and you want to write and you want a readership, there's a yeah. massive readership. Yeah. I wrote short stories for a long time. They get published and they'd be read by a hundred people. Now I have mm. a piece and it kind of goes viral and people read it and we talk about it and it's great. So mm. there is a massive audience. And like, yeah. look, I, and I get every single writer can't be a you know a critic or a pundit or whatever, but mm. even, even if you're not that, there is still this like budding scene of fiction that's happening online that is going to get bigger and it can be exciting for a writer to be part of that like you can write now get in on something that's coming up yeah. and flourishing and it's exciting mm. and there is all this there is this talent that is out there and i talk to these people we know each other and it is really mm. coming up so i would tell the young writer is that yes first you got to make that first move and take that mm. leap there is there is a readership out there people will We'll read your work and i'm not saying that wokeness is going to die but yeah. there is but there's a lot of people that are just just want to read good literature hmm. they're still out there and there's going to be more because if you look at the mainstream scene it is so bad and so boring that if you want to read a real <laughs> book you can't go that route right. so where do we find some of this work who are some of the writers that you like especially um yeah where do we find the work first of all all right uh <laughs> Uh, now we have all these little sites, like even Mark Granza with right. I am. 
Mark is a very good friend of mine. Mark started a magazine because he wanted to start a magazine, and that's how you yeah. do it. And I remember following IM when they had 200 followers on Twitter. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. this is small, but it has mm-hmm. a really good aesthetic, and Mark yeah. has really good taste. Yeah. And in the span of a year and a half, like two years, has a has a major readership. So what mm-hmm. I see, I see those kind of publications getting bigger and stronger and publishing these writers. And that's, a, you know, and they're, they don't do any fiction, but we're going to get the equivalent of an IM and these magazines. Tablet is doing great, right. you know, tablet, obviously not fiction, but tablet is a magazine that is a stake in the ground saying, this is what matters and what's good. Right. And the people who know that it's good are going to read tablet. So what I see is all these little kind of magazines, it's right now, it's kind of, don't want to say it's a fractured scene, mm-hmm. but it's not, hasn't really coalesced yet as this right. like, one thing. And it's even have to, it's just, there is, there is all these venues and they're going to keep propping up. I think is you would ask me two years ago, was there hope for some new, you know, American literary scene? Mm. I would have said probably not, but now I say, yes, mm. absolutely. It's because I see these magazines, I see these things on Twitter happening. People that are, you know, putting their time and their, you know, whether it's their name, their money behind these things and the writers are there. So it's only a matter of time, you know, and to me, then it becomes a question, do these budding scenes need to be funded by major institutions or are they better off on their own? And that's another question that I think, right. I think maybe like the right, when it comes to literature and art, we're going to get to eventually, uh, right. probably in the next year or so, two years where, do you need to have institutional backing to have like a literary uh, scene, like, you know, kind of, I guess, really explode or do you not need right. that? I'm not that's that's something Michael Anton picks that subject up and um, a little bit touches on that in an article in the same issue where you have your piece and I am 1776. Um, am I saying it right or is it once? Yeah, yeah, seven, six. Yeah. I thought it was 1776. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Michael Anton picks that up a little bit. And this is very interesting. You know, I mean, obviously, institutional support is always very helpful. To have, and to have, to have real institutions, big publishing companies that can produce something, distributors, magazines. I mean, these are all really important things, yeah. but it's important to have the talent out there. So, yeah. yeah so who are, who are some of the names? Because you discussed some of the people in, um, in your most recent essay in I Am 1776. You speak about someone you've written about in other articles, too. I, I believe a, a, a writer who goes by the pseudonym, I assume it's a, su- a pseudonym, Delicious Tacos. Right. Um, yeah, so there's him. So yeah, you see if you could talk about some yeah. of the other people too. Yeah, I think I think Tacos is a great example of he's he's a writer. If he was around 15 years ago, 20 years ago, he would have had a mainstream publishing deal. Uh, he would have been you know writing these kind of you know, LA kind of slice of life little stories that have always been popular, like in short fiction. And he just happened right. to run against and you know Tacos is good because Tacos has again obviously been writing and working on his craft for a long time, uh, and he's uh, a great example to the young writers. He started on his blog, I think, over 10 years ago now, building mm-hmm. building a readership, just putting out work consistently. And yes, yeah. it took a long time. If you might have asked him, look, it's yeah. going to take this long. Would he have done it? Mm-hmm. He probably would have said no. But the great thing about being mm-hmm. a writer, you don't know that. But yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know that. But you know, he put in the work. And there is, there, there is other writers like that out there that have – he has built an audience mm-hmm. just through sheer work and – I still do book reviews and hmm. I have to beg the publicists of these major presses to send me their books. So if you're yeah. a writer by a major yeah. press, you're not, you know, you're not one of the two or three writers being pushed. Your book is going to die. Like I got to <laughs> yeah, beg. Right. Look, I'm like, I'm trying to help your writer. I got a pretty uh, big Twitter. Like, I will write a review people and you got to basically pull teeth. So right but these guys are getting out there they're getting publicity for themselves they're well known so what are the different things that you are you in touch with delicious tacos Do you, i mean so is this kind of a scene as well that you guys that you all share you know whatever that you share stories about being writers you know because that's an important yeah, thing yeah, the camaraderie yeah. about being writers so yeah. is there part yeah, of the scene yeah. that you know i would say yes yeah. There is a loose scene. And what happens yeah. also that I get I get like a lot of that since I'm one of the few people, I think, who's kind of left like the elite MFA mm. world and now is doing this. So I hear from a lot of writers who, yeah. are, who are kind of, you know, making that same kind of jump. So, so you do become friends. You do kind of create this little kinship. And that's what's important for a literary community. Like, and 
there is a lot of people and there's always more and there's a lot of talented people so there is uh writers have lost like that mainstream publishing world but if you go this route you do gain this really energetic uh, fun you know world that's growing so there is that have, is, have, have you on met have you on met like not necessarily with delicious tacos, but with other people, because this is another important thing about writing. And I don't mean to get, you know, like more, more morbid or gross, like for there to be something of a literary set, like you got, you drink with people yeah. and you talk and, you know, like obviously as you're a writer, you don't do your writing in a bar. You don't do your right. writing behind the, you know, behind a glass of beer. But writers need to go out and socialize yeah. with other writers and speak with other people. So is there something like that going on too? That has not happened. I mean, yeah, I guess that's random. People come to town, yeah. you know, me. But what I think is important that I had a tweet recently about this saying that mm. what you lose when you do make this pivot is you do lose the residencies. You do lose mm. that. But oh. that doesn't mean that there can't be on this side, somebody just create a residency. Oh. Uh, I mean, you don't need, and I think a lot of people like on the uh, mainstream, right? What they don't realize is that you don't need that much money to even like create like yeah. a residency or a conference. I mean, so much of money is like tossed to all these things, but you can literally just create, I mean, somebody I know has, you know, some kind of space somewhere and you house writers for four weeks. Yeah, right. and you, and that, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. You get really someone easy. got a huge barn house somewhere. Yeah. And like, ah, we can put up, we can put four so of I you up here for That would be a major, major move. And I hope like somebody is listening because there is yeah. this kind of talent all over the place, but if you do create some kind of incubator where you kind of, because look, every single scene needs that kind of, you know, face-to-face -face contact every now and right. then. So, so there has to be some kind of, and I'm not sure if there'll be some like right-wing like publishing press, but I think, and obviously, obviously there is some of that, there is some of that already happening, but I think equally, right. or if not more important, is to create a space, a conference, some kind of residency, even online even, where these writers right. are going to come together and bounce work off each other. That I think has to happen because that that's a great idea. Here's what I'll do. I I can't really pay for anything, but whatever I can do to promote, I wouldn't necessarily call it a conference. I call it how about a gathering or something. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's put that. Let's figure out where to do that. <laughs> Whether we do that or book because I mean I, I I because what you're talking about, it's not like right. It's not like a bunch of square right wing people, yeah. right? It's not like a it's not like a bunch of guys in bow ties. And um, topsiders. There, there's nothing wrong with either of those. Right. I'm just saying that it's supposed to have, you know, it's supposed to have like kind of a, a you know, like like a, an outsidery, an outsidery right. feel anyway, an edgy feel anyway. So if you want, we'll talk about that in the future. And maybe someone who's listening wants to help put something like that together. Because I think that'd be important. Where different people get to meet and talk about something like, yeah, and then just kind of create. You have to create the atmosphere where this. Or that everyone knows that like while their most important work is at home in front of a desk writing there's also there's not there's an audience and there's a whole milieu as well that people are agreeing with each other and people are disagreeing with each other from the same outfits like no i don't i don't like that guy why are you jealous of him a little bit you know but these are all important things so yeah let's let's figure out a way to do that that'd yeah. be great so who are some of the other writers that you like that we should be reading? The writers from this milieu, who should we be reading? Uh, I think there's also, also writers that have kind of slid, that kind of published a few years ago prior to the mm. scene becoming really, really bad that I've kind of were able to publish mm. and they vanished. There's this kid, this kid uh, his name is Callan Wink out of mm. Montana. C-A-L-A-N, Callan Wink. He published in the New Yorker, a lot of stories. Mm. Had a novel that came out two or three years ago, but... When his stories came out, he still, it was still kind of okay to write kind of masculine Western stories. So he right. published it. But then the novel came out three or four years later. It got one review and it got totally trashed because it was like a, I guess a toxic book when it wasn't. So he's, he's a writer I really like. He's out there somewhere. Uh, Callan, hmm. yeah, Wink. Callan Wink out of Montana. Really good. Okay, great. Writer. Yeah, he's, he's out there. Don't know what he's doing now. Another writer called, uh, let me see. J.D. Daniels. He published a really little slim book five, six years ago. It's this great little book. Of, I guess not, it wasn't fiction. It was essays. One little book. These writers who kind of have this book and they kind of vanish. And then they realize, I published this book. The entire kind of scene changed. 
So I would encourage even like those kind of writers. I mean, I think it's important for our scene that yeah. has some kind of those name writers. Because when I think of like, how do we kind of create the scene? If it's a scene is you need some of the budding talent. And some of these writers like Callan Wynn, Katie Daniels, who were part right. of the institutional writing world, who now really have no way to go. There's writers like that that are out there. That, that those are two that come to mind. And then you have, you know, tacos. You have a uh, Scott on Twitter, uh, uh, a zero HP, uh, zero HP Lovecraft, who's really. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that person is you know, terrific. Right. Obviously, guys have been writing, you know, for years, writing for a long right. time. You know, these are, and I was sort of the young writer who's coming up. When they look at those writers, it's not that they're these dissident writers, it's that these are people who've been working on their craft for a long time. And that's right. the most important thing I think I take from some of these writers. The essay I had recently, like an IM, yeah. it was about how a lot of these young writers are kind of aping the style of Welbeck. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Let's talk. About, let's talk about that, and let's talk about Welbeck too. Yeah. yeah. And it's fine if you're a young writer, we've all done it to ape somebody's style and to have these influences. Hmm. But I think what's happened: so many of the young writers, male especially, they saw that this mainstream writing scene is totally against them. So they've kind of have taken this kind of anger that is warranted anger, but right. they've kind of just made that their entire stick for their writing. Right. So they see a Welbeck, and the thing with Welbeck, he's not really an angry writer. He's somebody who kind of yeah. has, you know, it's kind of like this, like it's kind of this framing, this, you know, kind of not really. He's like in the world that he writes about, but he's not. Yeah. So, right. so it would occur to the younger writers that they are they are angry because they've been pushed out of that elite writing world to to take that anger but anger isn't enough for style right so many so many of the young writers they think that anger and being kind of really really edgy that's just enough for style and it isn't that can be part of your style but it has to be more than that when you right. see these really good kind of dissident writers they can kind of filter some of their kind of more acidic worldviews through their style you need that to kind of be able to bring in these ideas that are going to be kind of edgy and you can't just do that if you're this angry right. writer. And and I think that happens with craft. You need to work and learn. Because, I mean, I see my young, uh, you know, early writing, and it was, it, like, it wasn't problematic, but there was, mm. like, this kind of, mm. kind of a bitterness there that a young writer can have. Uh. That it's okay for a bit, but eventually uh. it kind of becomes that you don't want to do that. And I think that has to come from craft and work. Right. So when they read a Welbeck, the most important thing isn't even the content. It's the way uh, he's you know, making it work. It's a more important right, thing. Right. Do you like, uh, do you like Welbeck? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, I do too. Welbeck um, is one of my, uh, yeah, absolutely one of my favorite writers. And a, a writer, you know, I, I think the, well, it's unfair to call him the American Welbeck, but a writer that, you know, I like an awful lot as Brett Easton Ellis, and he hasn't yeah, written. I think he wrote a novel on on on, on Patreon, right? <laughs> Which appeared on Patreon, and I, I haven't gotten it yet. But I think that he's a he's an amazing writer, and he's someone you know that I think uh, right. That that's what a lot of people miss about people like Welbeck or about Brett Easton Ellis. It's like the posture is part of the publicity, which is exciting right. and edgy. It makes you feel special when you're when you pick up the book, but when you get into the book, it's the, it's the writing, it's the style. Uh, well, who so are, I see, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, what, I, I, I think, I think we're saying earlier about some kind of, uh, some kind of like writer hangout, some kind of gathering is important with you because there is when you can work on these kind of, because it's easy for a young writer to be online. You have to be on Twitter to get angrier right. and angrier. And then that is not going to help your work. And right. I think in the piece for I am, I said that uh, you don't have to, uh, like, you can write about things that aren't ugly and still be truthful. And mm. I, the thing is, yeah. I'm not against ugly writing, but I think there has to be more of an understanding that if you want to have a bigger kind of scene or have a scene at all, there has to be some writers that do uh, hit with a reader who's not going to be totally just as angry as you are. And that's important. Right. Right. And the I am some people were angry at me because they realized they were like, oh, you know, writers should, yeah, writers should write, you know, whatever they want, but there has to be an understanding that if you want to have a scene that's not just this, you know, it's just you guys, you right. want to write work that can reach other people. And you can do that and still be truthful without being, you know, the angry young male. And, you know, trust me, I'm on the side right. of the angry young writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it. 
I want to help them. It's more no, than it's, that. It, it's interesting. A, right. Alienation, writing from alienation all the time. While, while emotionally compelling for the writer sometimes, for the reader, it can be a little difficult to, to, to go through all of that all the time. Uh, was, this a, is, was this a hard thing for you as a writer? I mean, it sounds like you speak about this as, as, as though, yeah, it was something that, that you've been aware of and it's been part of what you've learned and, and mastered as a writer. I mean, uh, so much of what makes writing work is tone. Like there's a tone, and tone is a way that the really good writers they can kind of you know sandwich in things that might be offensive to readers or might be kind of what they can do it right. way. And, you know, so right. much this of the is, young writers. This is what you know, well, Wellbeck is master. Right, it's a, perfect. A, a master, right? Yeah, yeah, master. Right. Because I mean, you have people who read Wellbeck who don't read anything that is right. even like you know close to that. And they yeah. pick up books where, like, he talks about disgusting things, and these people who right. don't read that are able to read it. And that's like, you know, right. that's like an example of how somebody can do that, where he's right. able to kind of frame these things. So when I think of like the young writer, like he, like, I guess, who's not woke, who's on the mm-hmm. right, who wants to kind of, you know, get a readership, it's about yeah, mastering tone and style, mm-hmm. and that's why it's important for to gather in person because you can get stuck in a little, uh, little kind of small niche on Twitter where it's kind of the same sensibility. Right. And the same aesthetic, and that so why kind of why why were people mad? I thought I thought it was very sound. I thought it was a, a, no. a, a very strong argument, and you made your case. You didn't insult anyone. I yeah, mean, no, I, I, I thought it was a very strong piece. I think it's because I, I think I think I think what I'm saying now kind of hit like a little. Uh, I kind of people kind of understood that there was a lot mm-hmm. of that writing that I'm talking about. And if yeah. you want to make a name for yourself on this little scene, what's the easiest way? You write. Yeah, you know, this right. thing that's probably that, that's probably over the top, and somebody like me, like I've read every single book that can probably be called, you know, you know, edgy, and yeah. problematic. I mean, yeah, right. I've read them all. I've seen them all. I'm forty, I'm yeah. almost forty, so I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. So after a certain point, I tell young writers, if everybody is doing that, it's a different way. But I think some folks were kind of upset that there was mm. this. Oh, I guess if you're gonna be anti woke, you have to be this angry black pilt yeah. kind of writer. And I think, right. I think not. I think, yeah, 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 that yeah. Can be, writers can be black pilt and angry and be part of that new scene, but you don't have to be, right. you don't have to be this angry, super angry young writer to be an anti-woke writer. You can just write yeah. beautiful, good work that's not. And that's great. when I think of this new scene, what I want to see more of is that. Uh, I want to see writing that is not trying to react to the trying to react to the mainstream scene. So right. much of what I read now is people that are, they're angry and I get it, but they're reacting to what we talked about earlier, that it's all women who have taken over. Like, I get that, but you right. don't have to, maybe it's because I'm a little older or, but I think no, it's a good right. It gives you some it. distance, but I think it's right. Because, because what we're talking about, it's not just a category. It's not just black-pilled writing. Right. It's right. like, this is what literature is supposed to be, right? Literature right. is wide and varied, and there's a whole bunch right. of different things you can do. And some of the times, if you're fighting the woke establishment, I won't call it literary, but the woke publishing establishment, the, the best answer is just to write well, right? right. It's not necessarily writing angry. Though, though writing angry view. can sometimes be excellent. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's right. now, now, if you read the mainstream woke world, it's a really small little niche thing. So why would you... If you're trying to respond to that, to me, it I makes know. no sense to, uh, to you know, right. it makes no sense to put yourself in a little, little opposite kind of little ghetto where it's just right. only this kind of, I mean, and so because like if I was like a younger writer and I was now trying to do this, I would see the scene and I'd be like, okay, it seems cool and hip, but is there is there a space for somebody who's not writing, um, you know, this kind of really black pill thing? So I would right. say that's fine, but if this scene is to grow, it has to get past that. Wow. And the piece, I think, I think it, I think it hits some nerves because uh, right now, it's I think too much of this scene is being associated with just that kind of aesthetic. Hmm. And I get why it's popular. I like those writers, but I think right. I think it has to grow. So I, I think right. uh, I think even reading some of the guys that I talked about, uh, Wink. Uh, mm-hmm. is a good example. He's a guy that who's a guy who went to the MFA world and he writes a real masculine kind of fiction that these, these guys write, but it is really stylized. The tone is great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's important for these young writers 
to yeah gather to read stuff even like somebody right. creates a kind of book club i think would be huge where you mm. have these writers yeah, and, they're not just, yeah. and they're not just talking about they're not just mm. talking about that you know this scene is awful in new york they're talking about tone and style and craft right. those to me are the important things like content i mean no we want writers who know what writing is yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we're going to, I'm going to let you go in a second, but first of all, first I, I want to thank you. This has been really fun and really informative and very moving. But the, the, the last thing I really want to ask is, so, you know, you talked about the book that you were writing 2013, 2014. Are you working on a novel now? Are you working on any short stories now? For the first time, like in three or four years, I'm back writing fiction. So much That's of my great. time now is doing stuff that, you know, I'm writing. But honestly, like, I see myself as a fiction writer, as yeah. an artist. I always will. Like now, obviously, I write this cultural stuff. That's great. I love what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. But I will right. always be, I will always want to be a carver, an achiever, and a Bologna. That's amazing. Those were my people. Yeah. And I think when you're, a, when you're a real writer and coach, that, that, yeah. that is who I am. And even though, and I, I would tell the angry young writers that who are upset because, you know, this entire scene yeah. is awful. New York, that you don't have to have that scene ruin writing for right. and literature. And that was the right. one thing I think that I was able, that I probably did well, that I never let this woke kind of scene ruin my love for art and literature and books. Like, I still love the same books. I still love these writers. Yeah. I never need them, you know, they're there. So I tell the young writers, don't let these woke people that have ruined art and literature ruin these books for you. These people are really separate. Like that, you can still that's, read. That's, that's amazing. That's really great. No, really. I mean, the best thing is the fact that, yeah, saying that, then also that you're writing, that you're out there and you're writing. Yeah. That's what it is. That's great. Well, Alex, Alex Perez, man, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your time and sharing your insights this great, afternoon. This, and uh, we'll do something again soon. And then, and then offline, you and I are going to figure out how to really how to put something together so how to get some of these people to meet each other and yeah. you know whatever this this is uh, but in the meantime i want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us and um and you all who've been listening please share this with your friends so they understand that there is not only hope for american literature but there are real writers here doing the work they're out there doing the work and uh read them read yes, them when you yes. get a chance that's the big thing that's what that's what writers need, even sometimes even more than money uh, being read. So, Alex, thanks again. Have a great rest Thank of your really afternoon. We'll talk to you later. And Thank all you, of you who are listening, it. thanks a lot for listening. See you. you next. Uh, see you next Saturday. And uh, you heard from Alex here. He's out there. He's fighting. We're all fighting. <laughs> see you all later. Have a great all right. weekend. Bye.